Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Our precious Father, we thank you. We exalt your name at this moment. We just worship and magnify your name. And we come before you once again for insight, wisdom, and revelation. We pray the God that you grant us insight into your word that will bring edification to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want to start another series. Uh, we are done with what we are dealing with before, which has to do with the showbread. Now we want to deal with something that I feel we all need and it's called praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Hallelujah. First of all, in Ephesians 6 verse 18, Ephesians 6 verse number 18, the Bible says, praying always the sound is not good. We check that sound for me. It's not good. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Better now. Praise the Lord. Know that Ephesians 6 verse 18 Praying always With all prayer All prayer That's all manner of prayers And supplication In the spirit And I want you to take note of that Amen And watching there until With all perseverance and Supplication for all saints. Now, when the apostles, for instance, uses this word, talking to the saints, it's talking about the kind of an exhortation. Are we together? Okay. So here we find that he's talking a kind of exhortation to the saints. To pray with all prayer. When you say all prayer, that is all manner of prayers. And here we may also want to see that he really intends to mean spiritual as well as former prayers in exclusion of each other. In other words, both spiritual prayers and former prayers, whichever manner, it's all manner of prayers, is what he says there. Praying refers to the state of the spirit as well as to the acts. You have to understand that. When he say with all prayers, he's talking about the different kind of prayers that is performed or that we engage in in church, in the family, in our closets, in business places, on the way, in the heart without the voice and with the voice from the heart. All these is all prayers. Praying with all prayers. 
persevere. Hallelujah. So, you see, the Lord talks about, for instance, write the word in your heart, in your forehead, wherever you go. Pray, like what the Bible talks about, say, pray without season. We have to understand what it means. That is why it's completely different from what people try to advocate. That we have to pray the four hours of the prayer section of the Jews. The third hour, the first hour. No, no, no. New Testament basically didn't teach us that. It said pray without season. So if you pray in the hours like what it said uh, Daniel was doing, what people don't understand was that when Solomon built the temple, he said it that anytime, anywhere, wherever the Jews will be, if they can turn to the temple and pray, answer their prayer. That is why Daniel was opening his window towards Jerusalem. It was the instruction that Solomon gave. And they know that the answer always comes from the temple. So that's why Solomon was doing that. So we do not have any localized temple today. So if we have to pray facing the temple, we're just talking about praying in the spirit wherever you find yourself. You should be praying. It's within. And so that means you can pray anywhere. That's why Paul says all manner of prayers. It could be anywhere. In the business place, in your home, in your closet, I mean in your office. It's not a question of kneeling down and facing the temple like Daniel was doing. No. That was because Solomon said anytime these people pray and face this temple, God answer their prayer. You understand what I mean? Right. Okay. So go with me to 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. How many spirit? One spirit. Now, this will guide you when we talk about praying in the spirit. You begin to understand with which spirit are you talking about? Because he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So if we are praying in the spirit, then we are praying in the spirit of the Lord. Are you following me? Because in the true sense, anyway, let's pursue that. But I want you to pick that. Is that okay? He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So we're praying through that one spirit, which is the spirit of the Lord as well. Because the spirit of the Lord has come to join with our spirit. It's become one. You know, if you check the word join, it's actually the word metal, which means to unite. It's like you, you bring two iron, two rods together, and you solder them or you wear them. That's what it means. That means we are knitted together with the spirit of the Lord. By implication, our spirit has come to be united with the spirit of the Lord. Praise the living God. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 14 now, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, now I want you to you see the word in. This is very, very important when you begin to capture this. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Now, maybe I make a little bit of a difference here. 
Let me just finish reading. Verse 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. Amen. Now the word tongues is the word glosa. Glosa talks about the kind of uncertain affinity, the tongue by implication, a language especially one naturally unacquired. Now, let me say this here. The tongue we speak in the book of Acts is completely different from the tongue we speak in the church. But essentially, that is what Paul intended it to be. The tongue you find in the book of Acts, chapter 2. You see, the Bible made us understand that all people who came to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, they were hearing in their own language. That means if there was a Hebrew person, he would hear. There was an Aosaman, there was an Indian man, there was a Chinese man. They would understand what they were saying. God was actually doing a broadcast. In fact, that tongue is a evangelical tongue. That is a tongue for witnessing. So what they were proclaiming was being heard by everybody. So it was a witness forum. That is not the kind of tongue we speak in church. But the truth is, that is what Paul intended to be. Because if you pursue it down, you'll be able to see at the end, he begins to say, if you pray in tongue and I don't understand, I am not edified. But if you prophesy and I understood what you are saying, I am edified. By implication, in our chapter 2, when the people spoke in tongue, there was edification for all those who came to the feast. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You just need to understand this. All right. Now, let's just read this. So that's the word glosal. That's where they come from. It's to speak a language that you naturally didn't understand. Now you're an Igbo man. But we're talking about you being able to speak Ichekiri without you have been taught or brought up as an Ichekiri person. That's what tongues really means. You speak in an unknown tongue, tongue that you are not taught naturally. You were not born into that tribe. That's what it means. Are you listening to me? Right. That's what called unknown tongues. And if, if, if we take time to read that, you begin to find out again that, that we're not going there, but you find out it said tongue is for the unbeliever. Why do you say tongue is for the unbeliever? Two things. If you go to Isaiah, he says, I will speak to them in a stammering language. Now, we translate that to mean we speak a tongue that people don't understand. That's not what he was trying to say. He was trying to say, I'm going to use a people of a different language that you do not understand to judge you. So it was judgment. That's why I said the unbeliever, tongues is for the unbeliever. But prophecy is for the believer. By implication, you speak in tongue and a man that does not understand your language is in the congregation, is like a barbarian. He's confused because he doesn't know what you're talking about. 
Are you there with me? Now, we're not going that way, but we just concentrate. We may find people to talk about, to deal with the issue of the tongue properly. Let's go down again to 1 Corinthians uh, 14. We still want to read from verse 14, Amplified Translation. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, Amplified Translation. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, clear definition, because he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. My spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. But my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. Are you following that? Good. Notice the word, it helps nobody. It means your tongue was supposed to help somebody. Are you listening to me? Right. Then, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. Now, when you say I'll pray in my spirit, that verse 14, it's talking about my highest being, which is my spirit man. I'm not praying with my mind as touching what I know. For instance, maybe you want to travel, God, I'm traveling to Lagos. I just pray, God, that you take charge. You pray with your understanding. I don't know if you're getting that. Good. But when you're praying in the spirit, you don't even know what you're talking about yourself. It's your spirit that is communicating. This time it's communicating with the spirit of God because both of you are joined together. Are you there with me? Now, this is why it's very important um, speaking in tongue is very, very vital. It, it does really help you. I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain that maybe in the second section of this study. Because you see, when the Holy Spirit takes over in your prayers, there are things that you cannot articulate with your mind, but He brings them in for you. He knows the mind of God. He knows what you want, which you may not even think about at that particular time. Praise the Lord. So he said, I'll pray in my spirit, my higher being, the passive objective of the Holy Spirit operations and the instrument of prayer in an unknown tongue, distinguished from understanding. That is the active instrument of thought and reasoning, which in this case must be unfruitful in a defined orders. Since the vehicle of expression here is unintelligible to them. What we mean is when you're speaking in tongues, the people who are there with you, they can have understanding. Is that okay? So in the truth, when we say, okay, for instance, you know, you go to some meeting, they will say, let's speak in tongues, let's worship God in tongues, whatever the case may be. The truth is, you are on your own, but I want to make me understand something that ordinarily, if we're truly really operating the way it's supposed to be, when we're speaking in tongues, we should be able to have somebody to interpret what we are saying so that the whole church will benefit. If you take time to watch most time, if I'm praying here and I go speaking in tongues, when I finish, I try to tell you 
what I spoke in tongues. Have you noticed that? That is the way it's supposed to be. That is the way it's supposed to be. That's why I said, if you read the whole chapter, I said, if you speak in tongues and there's no interpreter, there's no need for you to speak. Because the church is not going to benefit from what you're saying. So essentially what we are doing, I'll make you see that from the book of Jude. Okay. So when we talk about my understanding, it talks about the active instrument of thought and reasoning. That is, you're using your mind to say, well, I'm traveling now, God, I want you to take care of the road. You know, you know send me forth safely and bring me back home safely. You're using your mind. But when you're speaking in tongues, you are not just... You have no consideration. You have no thought about what is going on. Praise the living God. Because then you are praying in the spirit. Your higher being is the one communicating. Like I said, this is very important because most times, listen, if you if you pray in your own understanding, sometimes in the morning for this if I come to this office, when I come early in the office, when you're praying, I'm over there praying. And most time I spend almost an hour I pray in tongues. But if you are praying in your understanding, in less than 10 minutes, you should have finished all you want to talk about. Am I correct? You want to maybe pray for your family, pray for your business, pray for, <laughs> pray for your children, pray for your brother, pray for your uncle. Five, ten minutes, everything is finished. But if you're speaking in tongues or praying in the spirit, you can continue for an hour. You can't be tired. You see continuing. That's the major advantage of praying in the Spirit. Is that okay? Let's look at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder, of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow and is a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart so here we find out there is a division between the spirit and the soul the soul is made up of your mind your intellect your will and your emotions so you can pray emotionally but you see, there is a division between your emotional prayer and spiritual prayer. When you are praying in the spirit, your emotion is not there. I don't know if you understand what I mean. So here we are saying that there is a division or there is a, a difference between your spirit and your soul. So if you are praying your own understanding, you are praying in your soul. That if you are praying in the spirit, you are praying in your spirit man are you following this now now on the most part when you pray in your soul realm like i said before you get tired quickly you finish all that you needed to say very quickly sooner than later you have nothing else to say you go job that mumbling and nothing very special but if you are praying in your spirit you can go on and on and as you go on and on, you come to a point where God will begin to give interpretation to the things you're praying about. And so, you begin to move in and out when you're praying in the Spirit. You're speaking in tongues, you get interpretation, you begin to appreciate God, you go back in tongues. This time it's not you doing it, but this volition is just taking place 
you know, without you controlling it. It's just by the Spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Right. So, you see yourself speaking in tongues and all of a sudden you begin to outpraise the Lord, begin to interpret the things you are saying. Sooner or later you move back again to the Spirit. You are just captured there. And then you're on and on and on and on and then you come to a point where some of the things you are going to be praying for or praying about in the spirit, you get the interpretation, you get satisfied, and joy begins to flow into your heart. The next thing is, you don't want to pray anymore. Joy has come in. That simply shows that answer has been given to what you are praying for in the spirit. Are you getting this? Right. You, you come to a place of being settled. Most of you, like, once you interpret the things you are beginning to say, and the next thing, your tongue is beginning to give you joy, give you song, you just know for sure the prayer you were praying have been answered. Praise the Lord. So, like verse 14 again, he's saying, I'll pray with the Spirit, I'll pray with the understanding also. Yeah, you have both the Spirit and the understanding united in singing and praying by using a tongue that he understands. That is when you pray in the natural. When I say, I will sing in the, in the Spirit, I will sing in my understanding. So, you sing in the spirit, you sing in your understanding. Now, there's another way it works this way. You sing in the spirit, which is like praying in the spirit, and you can instantly translate that which you're praying in the spirit into natural singing. You begin to sing out what you are praying in the spirit. Are you understand what I'm saying? Right. Now, it is not normal. It is not what you know before. Is that okay? And it could be a situation where maybe you are praying in the spirit and God gives you a song that you know before and you begin to sing it you probably can even sing it even in the spirit but when you begin to analyze that song you find that there is an answer being given to you from that song so you pray in the spirit you pray in your understanding you sing in the spirit you sing in your understanding are you following what I'm saying now? Right, so you can fluctuate or move between the two realms, but the primary control should be from the spirit. Praise the living God. So, now let us understand that here Paul was dealing with or is dealing with the attitude one should maintain in public worship, and basically, the ultimate goal of through exercise of spiritual gift is the edification of others and that is something that needs to control us look at our first, first Corinthians 14 verse 12 everything normally that we do is meant for the control i mean for the benefit of others when you come to public worship when you come to church scenario anything you do is meant to be beneficial to other people first Corinthians 14 verse number 12 even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gift, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. That's the key. For as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gift, seek that ye may excel what? To the edifying of the church. That's the key. So whether it be tongue, whether it be prophecy, it tends toward that which most edify the church. I'll make you see that. Look at verse 16 of the verse. X, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that 
occupy the room of the unlearned, say amen, at the giving of thanks. Seeing he understandeth not, praise the living God. What thou sayest, you praying in the spirit, the man that is next to you have no understanding of what you're praying about. How can he say amen when you give thanks? Verse 17 says, For thou verily givest thanks well, but the order is not edified. It's not part of what you're doing. By implication, you are edifying yourself. Is that okay? So when we talk about, for instance, let's pray in the spirit, we have to understand that we are intended to say edify yourself. Because if we all are praying in the spirit and we don't understand what we're praying about, we are just praying, but we don't know what we're praying about. And so essentially then, you find that it is yourself that we are defying and not your neighbor. But Paul is saying the excess of the gift is for the edification of the body of Christ. And so this is a big challenge for the church of today. It's a big challenge. I remember some stories in the early 70s when brethren came to Chavez and um, they start service and all of a sudden somebody speaks in tongue. You'll be able to see somebody by the time he finished speaking, interpreting what a person said. That we don't see today. And I'll tell you that most of the tongues that we are speaking are the things that either we learnt or we copy. Are you still there with me? Right. I, I remember when I was young in the faith, one of the denominations, and they wanted me to speak in tongues. No, they were, we came to church and they were to speak in tongues, and they were saying, just say blah, 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 just say like that, just keep saying like that, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know. And <laughs> you're speaking in tongues. So just don't be saying blah, 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 blah. That doesn't make sense. You see, God gives uniqueness, He gives tongue uniquely. My, my own experience about this around 19, what is that supposed to be? 1990 or thereabout. Uh, because one of the things is, I, I, I actually spoke so much against speaking in tongues because of his sister. Now, I was sharing the doorway Yeah, we I was in the village, young grandmother. She was in the next room, is my neighbor. Now, she wakes up around, around 1 a.m. and be speaking in tongues, one syllable anyway. From that one, maybe a 12, three, three or four o'clock. I can't sleep. I can't do nothing. High like that. So, I just say, man, if this is how tongue is, I don't think I need it. Even when I became a believer, I said, I don't think I need that. Because it wasn't defying me, it wasn't helping me, rather it was disturbing me. So, when we went to this conference and they said, all uh, oh, those of you who have not been speaking in tongues, you're going to come today for baptism. Adi Lori. You know, so one of the brothers was assigned to come and do that. So he called us, went to the basement. There were two. And we started praying. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And, man, it was a conference. We were already closed by 10. Time was going to 12. We were still praying. And I said, can we go? He said, no, we can't go unless you speak in tongues. Ah. He said, I don't pray for people and they don't speak in tongues and I let them go. It was a problem. So he took me from the basement came to the main hall, nobody was there and then obviously he asked me a question do you 
Have you ever spoken anything against the Holy Spirit? Especially in tongues? I said, sure. I mean, this sister was only disturbing me with tongues, so I wasn't interested in speaking in tongues and all that. He said, can you say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry? And I said, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. And that was it. Only that my tongue just twisted and something busted out and I could not stop. I could not stop. I continued like that and he said I was thanking God and I was just there. I squeezed down and then he took me out. We went to the hostel. I continued. I was now disturbing my roommates in the, in the camp. <laughs> it's a crazy thing. That is what is given to you by the Holy Spirit. Even the next morning I went to the bathroom to take my shower. I was speaking in tongues. You know, it just kept coming out and one thing he did was say, give him a clear tongue and then I found my tongue again twisted and what I was speaking was like Swahili and sometimes like, you know, Hausa language. All these things were just coming in. You can definitely know it. There's a syllable you can pick that this thing belongs to one particular tribe. Is that okay? Right. That is the uniqueness. Not just say blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. It's not about blah, blah, blah. It is something that God gives to you. You pray in in the spirit and with the spirit praise the living god all right now the bible said when we do this is for the edification of the body and that's the greatest thing i want you to pick now so let's go to the book of jude jude verse 20 jude is just one chapter jude verse 20 how i didn't say judges i said jude the book next to Revelation, the book of Jude 20. But ye, now you listen to this, ye building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying what? On the Holy Ghost. Now, this is another thing which we have picked to mean we praying in the Holy Spirit, we are edifying ourselves. Now, I want to make you see the meaning of this to build up yourselves. It didn't say build yourself. It said build up yourselves. It's just like say ye are the temple. It's not actually talking about you as an individual. It's talking about the corporate body of Christ as the temple. Ye are the temple. A city set on the hill. It's not talking to just an individual. Is that okay? Right. So when he say, but ye, you, not just like individual, you as a church. I'll make you see that now. He said, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So now, here again you find that. Have the most holy faith. What is the most holy faith? The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the writings of his apostles. For your foundations. So when you say building up yourself in your most holy faith, what is the holy faith? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The writing of the apostles, the foundation which you have laid, finding all your expectation of these things, and seeking from Christ, who is their sum and substance, all the grace and glory you need. So when you're building up yourself in your most holy faith, it's not outside of the scope of the gospel. I don't know if you're getting this. Good. Is within the framework of the gospel. So, we are dealing with the issue of, let me take it gradually so I don't, I just run now. Praying, building up yourself with the most holy faith right now, 
based on the gospel of Jesus, based on the writings of the Holy Spirit. For instance, you're praying in tongues and then some scriptures begin to come to your mind. You're building up yourself. I don't know if you're getting that. Right. You are in worship, you're in fellowship, we're all together fellowshipping, and then we're speaking in tongues. Let's say everybody's speaking in tongues, and all of a sudden, certain specific scriptures begin to drop into the mind of people, and they make us understand this is the scripture God does give to me. You find that when you read those particular scriptures, they are directly speaking about maybe what is happening or what is about to happen. Hallelujah. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Holy Father, the divine influence which you have received, and under that influence, making prayer and supplication to God. Now, the prayer that is not sent up through the influence of the Holy Spirit is never likely to meet the need of those who are praying or reach the Father Himself. Prayer that is not influenced by the Holy Spirit is likely not to ascend to the presence of God. Everything settles in your natural state. Praise the living God. That is why you see, you should walk in the spirit and live in the spirit. Because if you don't, don't forget, the word of God separates the spirit and the soul. And the soul speaks of your emotions and all that. So you should always walk, if our scripture says, walk ye in the spirit. So if you're walking in the spirit, it means the Holy Spirit is actually influencing whatever you do, your decision, your thoughts, and your emotions. And that is that wherever you find yourself praying, you're communicating to God because you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. So, you have to get building up yourselves. How do you build up yourself then? By increasing in the knowledge and love of God, of His truth, His will, the devotion of the body, and so to His service. That's how you build up yourself. You're building up yourself to increase in the knowledge of God. In the knowledge and the love of God. That's how you build up yourself. Because the faith has to do with the love of God. God's love that He gave His only begotten Son. So the gospel of Jesus is actually our faith. So when he said building up yourself in your most holy faith, it's actually like trying to separate what I would not call the New Testament believer from the Old Testament believer. Amen? So when you're building up yourself in your most holy faith, you're actually increasing, seeking to increase in the knowledge and the love of God, of the truth of His will, and the devotion of our body and soul to His service. How you can increase in this thing is what it means to build up your faith. And it says in the Holy Ghost, that's according to His direction and His influence, and by His aid, He helps us to develop, to grow into the knowledge and the love of God. Don't forget what the faith stands for. The faith is simply the body of Christ and, and the body of the teachings of Christ which has to do with our salvation. That's what's called the holy faith. Amen? Praise the living God. Now, 
The emphasis here is the building up of yourself in your knowledge of Christ through the influence of the Holy Spirit. This kind of prayer grants direction in the Christ and your purpose in life. And that is the thing I want you to really pick. You're building up yourself in your most holy faith. Let's look at it this way. God asked Israel to come out of Egypt. There was a direction. There was a purpose. I don't know if I'm getting this. So, God pulled you out of the world. There is a purpose. There is a reason. There is a destination. And there is something he has for you before the foundation of the world. So, as an individual, you pray in tongues, you are actually praying to discover the will of God, to get direction for that which God has for you. It's not just about noise making. Hallelujah. Are we together? So, when you need a for instance, as an individual, and you pray in tongues, you are actually seeking to increase your knowledge of God, the love of God, and then to find direction as touching, in quote, the scope of salvation that you have found yourself in. Because your most holy faith is speaking about what? Your salvation. Hallelujah. Bringing up yourself in your most holy faith. The faith of being the house of God, meaning that the Father gave this gift to us to enable his house rise to the level that it was supposed to be since we are God's building. You see, if you look at Ephesians 2 verse 20, you begin to see that 2021, Ephesians 2 2021, we talked about and are built up upon the foundation of the apostles of prophet Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21 says, In whom also the building feel the frame together, growing it all to what? A holy temple in the Lord. Now, this is very important. So, when you say building up your holy faith, the essential thing is how the corporate body can rise. It's not just an individual thing. Because you see, scripture says, Seek ye for the good of your neighbor. And who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is that which is the body of Christ. Not your neighbor in the streets. So if you have to seek the good of your neighbor, even in your tongue, you ensure that this individual is built up. So when we're building up ourselves in the most holy faith, we're talking about how the church grows beyond the level that it's supposed to be. In the knowledge, in the will, in the things that pertain to the gospel of Jesus. Are we together? You know we are the house of God. Don't you know that? Okay, let me show you something. Because we're talking about the faith. Ephesians 4, verse number 4. Ephesians 4, verse number 4. There is one body and one spirit. Even as ye are called into in one hope of your calling. Yeah, when he uses the word yeah, he's talking about the church, not just you. Is that okay? One Lord, and I'm the faith. One faith and one baptism. One God and Father of all, with above all and through all and you all. What I want you to pick there is the word 
one faith. So now he says, building up yourself in your most holy faith. So what faith is he talking about? That one faith, which is our salvation. Amen? So you can bring it to the point, okay, you're building up yourself in that which you've come to know about Christ. No problem about that. But ultimately, we're talking about how that the body of Christ should be edified to move from one level to another level. The apostles' ministry was meant to raise the church. Therefore, the gift in the church was meant to raise the church. Are you getting the implication? That's what they mean by building up yourself with your most holy faith. So, when we come here speaking in tongues, we are talking about how to raise the church, how to build individuals, how to raise the body of Christ from one level to another level, to know more of God, to have more of His love, and to have this united thing forming and causing the body to grow. Amen. It's not essentially for your personal need. Why that also is applicable, but the essential thing for every gift of God ever gave to you is for the body of Christ. He calls an apostles for the body. He calls the teachers for the body. Is anybody following this? Why will you give you tongue for yourself? You see that? Because that's a gift. The apostle is a gift. The teacher is a gift. The evangelist is a gift. All for the edification of the body of Christ. Now he gives you a gift which is tongue of prophecy, why must it be for yourself? It's for the church. Hallelujah. Again, look at Jude. Look at the verse 3 of the book of Jude. Again, Jude, verse number 3. Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Hmm. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that it should earnestly contend for what? The faith which was not delivered unto the saints. You together? Contend for the faith. What he's trying to say, contend for the salvation message that God gave to his church. That thing that enables you to grow into oneness. So when you contending for the faith, you contend to assuring that the principles of Christ, wisdom, knowledge, and revelation are sustained within the body of Christ. Because there's one faith. So it's not about your faith. Even if you are contending in the, in the sense of contending for the faith by yourself, it is still on the basis of that which God have made known to his church. Which is called common salvation. You must understand that it's a common salvation, there's a great salvation. How many of you understand that? Huh? Okay, let me just show you before we go there. Go to Hebrews, book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Hebrews, chapter 2, verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest to the heat to the things which we have, lest at any time we should let them sleep. Verse number 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so what? Great salvation. So there's common salvation, there's great salvation. And what is the great salvation? The message of the kingdom. Here is a comparison between 
the message that Jesus preached and what Moses preached. And he called it great salvation. But Jude talks about common salvation, which has to do with a collective one that has to do with our faith as believers. Is it making sense to you? So when Jude is writing in verse number 3, he's talking about our common salvation. So what's our common salvation? We can simply say Christianity. Is that okay? Believing in Christ is our common salvation. What's great salvation? Coming into the knowledge of the kingdom of God. Which is completely different from just being a believer. Because you must understand, again, you look at a temple. You see the altar courts. You see the holy place. You see the most holy place. It's all the same structure. But there are dimensions to it. So even so it is with salvation. So you have the common salvation, which is like everyone believes in Christ. That's common salvation now. We contend with common salvation in relation to other people outside, not to go out of faith. But when we talk about great salvation, you're dealing with the message of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you this. Look at it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which are the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Began to be spoken by the Lord. What did he begin to speak with? Go with me to Mark chapter 1, verse number 4. I mean 14 and 15. Mark chapter 1. Now, after that John, remember, the great salvation was first began to be spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we go. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee. What did he do? Preaching. And what is he preaching? The gospel of the kingdom of God. Now take it from message, trans- I mean Amplified Translation, please. Amplified Translation. Now after John was arrested and put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching what? The good news. Which is what? The gospel of the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus preached. And so he called it great salvation. Paul calls it great salvation. The kingdom message is great salvation. Our common belief as Christian is common salvation. So what Paul, I mean Jude is writing about, going back again to Jude verse 3, is common salvation. In relation to, we are believers, we have to sustain our faith as believers. But if you want to progress into God's will, oh come on now, remember, God so loved the word that he gave, right? We all believe. And then we have what we call common salvation. But now you have to progress into the will of God. Because look at what he says. When you pray, say, Our Father, which are the heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So the will is found where? In the kingdom. And that becomes a great salvation. Are you following that? So you progress from your common salvation faith to the great salvation. So what he's saying here is, when we come to pray, praying in tongues, we're contending for the faith. In other words, to sustain our faith as believers. To continue to have that understanding, we are saved as a body. Now let me show you this. This prayer we're talking about in, in no, go now to Jude verse 3. Go back to Jude verse 3 again. 
So, yeah, we're talking about, beloved, when I, I give out diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The faith delivered unto the saints. Does anybody understand that? Very good. The faith, you're contending for the faith that delivered to the saints. And he calls that what? Common salvation. And so when you say build up yourself your most holy faith in the true sense, we are dealing with that faith which is delivered unto the saints. Praise the Lord. Now this prayer unites you to the body. That is the excess. You build up yourself the most holy faith, you have been united to the body. He who prays in this way ought to be properly knitted and fitted to the body of Christ. So, go again now to Jude, verse 17. Let me show you. So that you can understand it now. Hallelujah. And here it says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not this spirit. We better follow this. Now, don't forget this. It's not talking about those outside the church. It's talking about those in the church. Look at the definition of verse number two. But ye, beloved, building up yourself on what? Your most holy faith. Praying what? In the Holy Ghost. So, if one keeps speaking in tongues and does not manifest the spirit of unity within the body, it's evidence that it does not have the Holy Spirit in this sense. Is it making sense? Verse 19 says, look at, back to verse 19. Let me show you. This be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit, but they are believers. So, men who don't, who, who don't how do I put it? Men who can pray to unite the body of Christ and you see God are praying in the spirit. The Bible said, no, you don't have the spirit. You censure, you ungodly, you walking naturally by implication. You praying from your soul realm and not in the spirit. So the evidence of you truly speaking in tongue and praying and building up the holy faith is your unity within the body. Is it making sense to you? Right. So you can't tell me you're building up yourselves and yet you are not united to the body. No, you are not you are not you are not praying in the spirit. Because there's one faith and one baptism and one spirit. So here we find it, verse 19, 20 again. This be they who separate themselves is talking about believers. You know, John wrote the same thing. And he said, if they had been with us, they would have remained. But because they are not with us, that's why. You understand that? But they were also men who confessed to be Christians. So here he's saying the same thing. Those be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Go to the next thing now, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying what? In the Holy Ghost. So when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're binding the church together. You're binding yourself together with the church. So if you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're praying in tongues, if 
whichever way you want to term it and you are constantly separated you don't have the spirit of unity within the church you are essential person you do not have the spirit of god you are not praying in the spirit you are praying in your mind hallelujah are we here so building up yourself is opposed to separating themselves as in the holy ghost is supposed to have in all the spirit you're building up yourself some are separating themselves are you there with me right then you pray in the holy spirit some are praying in the sensual realm they are not praying in the spirit hallelujah let me take this one more scripture and then we can be done first timothy chapter one verse number four you can take it from the amplified translation let me see what he has to say here oh it's so much praise the lord not to give importance to or occupy themselves with religion fables might and endless genealogy which foster and promote useless speculations and questionings rather than acceptance in faith of god's administration and the divine training that is in faith in that leaning of the entire human personality on god in absolute trust and confidence this is praying in the spirit now if you read it from the king james it said neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly define which is in faith so do that's the point i want you to see godly word define which is in faith remember we are praying in the spirit and you are uniting the body you are uniting the church so our prayers in the spirit unites the church the more so when we come here speaking in tongues and praying of the holy spirit and we see more division what is being fulfilled is jude 19. <laughs> are you getting what i'm talking about right so even at even at home for instance you need them to pray you're praying in the spirit you end up discovering that in your mind as you're praying without you thinking about it so names of the members of the fellowship are coming to your mind have you observed something like that you just praying in the spirit people you didn't think about their names are just coming in and then you're praying about it you're speaking in tongues, but names are crossing your mind you're actually interceding for those people that's how to pray in the spirit when we come to the book of romans i'll make you see that more clearly but i'm just laying the foundation for you to understand when we talk about praying in the spirit i mean <laughs> we have to come to a place of really understanding the mind the will and the purposes of god is ultimately very different from what we have today every gift in the scripture is meant for the edification of the body of christ it's not necessarily for you it's for the church this thing goes again close to this life in the cluster are you seeing what i'm talking about god is more concerned with this body than is concerned with you as an individual praise the living god because you can remember the statement of jesus let not your habit trouble believing or believe also in me 
You see what I'm talking about? You are not going to be alone. There are other people that are going to come to join you to make up the house of God, my father's house. His concern was the father's house, not the individual's. And once you find yourself within the father's house, all the blessings the father's house becomes your blessing. So when we talk about praying in the spirit, we're talking about how best to edify the body of Christ. Why you benefit? But the ultimate thing is this. If no matter how long and large and, 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 and deep you pray in the spirit, if that cannot unite you more and unite the church the more, you are just sensual in what you're praying. And the scriptures say you do not have the spirit. Let's take that again and we'll continue down. Jude 19. Just that Jude 19. So that you see what I'm saying there. Jude 19 and then verse 20 as well. Okay, let's, let's go to the top a little bit and see how it pays out. Um, verse 18. How did I told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts? Is that okay? Right. These mockers are not people who are outside of the faith. Peter wrote the same thing in the book of Second Peter chapter 3. Is that okay? When he was saying, where be the of the fathers? Our fathers have died. Where be the coming of the Lord? You know? And they remember... Peter wrote in AD 51 to 57, thereabout, and then Jerusalem fell in AD 70. So they were not referring to what Jesus said in Matthew 24 when he said, None of these stones shall be left standing. Right? So we're looking at about some 20 years before the fall of Jerusalem. So before that time, because when Jesus made a prophecy, it took about 40 years before it came to pass. So they said, No, come on, everything Jesus said doesn't mean anything. I mean, our father have died and we are here today. Where be the coming of the Lord? So Jude is writing the same thing. Yeah, Jude is saying, How that they told you there be mockers and the mist in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Look at the next thing. And that these be they who separate. So the definition of those ungodly laws are those who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But they are believers. I don't know if you are getting this. They are believers, but they don't have the spirit. Then verse 29 says, But ye, for those of you who have the spirit, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying what? In the Holy Ghost, unite the church, don't allow separation. Oh, come on! You see, the verse 20 is just directly opposite verse 19, it's dealing with the opposite people. The verse 19 are separating the church, verse 20 is building up the church together. That's how you build up yourself in the most holy faith. Praise the living God. So, the more we pray in tongue in this place, the more we start building up ourselves in the most holy place, the more we see a united house. That's what God intended to be. Have I helped you tonight? God bless you. And thank you so much for finding time to be around. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.